Hey, everyone. We are so excited to have Michael Atunrache of Resilient Sports Performance and Training back with us today to talk to us about... Welcome to Podcast Therapist, presented by Virginia Family Therapy. I'm Sarah. I'm Caroline. And I'm Amanda. As three family therapists, we know how hard it is to feel like you're being the parent you want to be while juggling everyone's needs. We specialize in helping families just like you during the long days of multitasking and constant searching for the bar of success. Our podcast mixes expertise, real life advice, and embarrassing stories. Whose embarrassing story? Let's walk through this together. Welcome to Podcast Therapist, everyone. Today I am here alone. Sarah and Caroline are seeing clients. Um, And I am lucky enough to be here with Michael Atun Rache, the what do you say, founder, CEO? What do you say? Uh, Yeah, founder, CEO, and I'm the head coach. So I kind of do a little bit of everything. The head coach coach of resilient yeah. <laughs> sports performance and training. Coach Mike has been on here a lot as our go-to man for athletes. And today we are going to talk about body image and nutrition for athletes, which is a hot topic right now. So Mike, yeah. I know you want to start with some stats. So give them yeah, to us. I, wanna, I wanted to start with just some general facts and things that we need to kind of get on out on the table first before we even dive a little bit deeper into this thing. Body image, like what, what is body image? It's the way that people perceive their body and they perceive that others look and see their body that same way. That's important that you realize that because you can look at someone and be like, hey, I see you this particular way. That's not the way that they think that you see them, right? So. A lot of people who are unhappy with the way they look, they seek means to change the way they look. And and often it's not a healthy and safe way. And and, and sometimes that will lead to eating disorders. So not not all body image issues lead to eating disorders, but that's definitely like one of those gateways Absolutely. to, to that. When it comes to to body image, uh, we all see that and we know through surveys, research, that body image is closely related to self-esteem, especially in a younger population. Mm -hmm. There's a stat here that says 95% of people with eating disorders are between the age of 12 and 25. And that number 12 is really scary. That's like Mm pre-teen. And that number is getting actually lower and lower with social media and and kids, you know, being on social media as early as nine, 10 years old. So uh, that's kind of uh, another stat that is um, I, I read here is approximately 91% of women are unhappy with their bodies and they resort to dieting and often, you know, crash dieting, which is when you fully change the way you eat, you're, you're eating at a pace that's not sustainable mm-hmm. or healthy long term. They did a survey and they found out between men and women, it was 40% of women and 20% of men agreed that they would consider cosmetic surgery in the future to change the way they look. And uh, when it comes to those eating disorders and body image, they made they put out a survey and they asked people, what is the ideal type of body image? They did it here in America and they found out what it was. It's this, you know, kind of glorified, very slim waist, 
wide mm-hmm. head, kind of like bottle shaped figure. And only 5%, I think it was, of women had that kind of shape. Mm-hmm. So it's like with everyone's trying to assume or get to a, a, a look that only a very, very, very small percentage of the, the people in this country look like. So once you have all those mixes of issues, uh, a lot of these things are pressured by family, friends, but more so society pressure, societal pressures in the media. Once you have all those things kind of like mixed together in one pot, it, it makes a really bad soup. Absolutely. So. And we did a whole podcast on that, Mike, a few episodes ago called The Culture is Toxic. And yes, how the, I listened to that. <laughs> oh, well, that was nice of you um, because it is right. Yeah. It is toxic. And I think that's what's really hard for athletes is that they are living in this yes. world. Right. And it is it's boys and girls now, but they're living yeah. in this world where they're told to be super skinny and look a certain way. And they go on Instagram and they see people who are getting like Photoshop to look good and they need their body to perform and potentially look a different way. It doesn't even yeah. matter what their body looks like as long as it's able to do what they need it to do. Yeah. So I have found it really hard in my work to kind of work with athletes who go to school and want to look a certain way and then go to yeah. their sport after school and, and their perform. body. Yeah. And want to perform. And they feel like they're living a dual life in some ways. And so do you see that in your line of training? And how are you working with that? I see that often, very often, especially like you said, with the young kids who are on social media, who are consuming media. And like you said, it's very tough for these these athletes to pick which one they want. Mm-hmm. You know, pick whether I want to be a high performing athlete or pick whether I want to look a certain way. It, one thing I found out right away is kind of creating the mindset that your body is a machine and Mm -hmm. you need to fuel it the right way and you are hoping that it works for you to help you get to this goal you just got to find out what is that goal that they want Mm -hmm. some athletes are not really into their sport they're doing it because they want to be with certain people they they like the friend group and So it's going to be really hard to talk to that athlete about using your body as that machine for the sport that you don't really care about. So if I find out that athlete wants to, you know, kind of look a certain way and that is the thing that's going to drive them, then I focus on that because I know that's going to be their motivation. And I show them how to do that in a healthy, safe and productive way. That's going to be more long term. I don't like using extremes. If it's an athlete that's like, oh, I'm not really into the sport. I'm not going to play in college. I'm not going to kind of keep harping on their sport. I'll say, all right, well, these are the things you want to do just to stay healthy. I know in college, you're going to go to the gym. I know you're going to work out. I know you're going to be on your own eating. This is how you should eat. That's and this great. is how you should train. Yep. And this is what's going to help you sustain a healthy body that you'll be happy. It's going to help you get through college. It's going to help you after college. You're going to be strong. You'll be able to you know, play your club sport if you want to. You'll be able to go to the beach at the same time, too, and appreciate how you look. So kind of not straying away from the aesthetic part, because mm-hmm. that's going to that's gonna be what they're chasing, whether it's now with me or without me when they go to college or, or after. 
but showing them the right way to do that. And, and I think that that educational piece is really important because once they understand the nutrition that goes into it, once they understand how doing it the unhealthy way could really harm their body long-term, hopefully they make those decisions that lead to more healthier living that can be sustained. So what do you do with those high level athletes who really are stuck in two worlds, right? Like I, Mm -hmm. for instance, I have some athletes that I work with who go to school and they need to eat a lot at lunch. Like they need to eat a lot at lunch based on what the way they are using their bodies throughout their day, they have to eat a lot at lunch, but when they Mm -hmm. eat at lunch, they look around at all the other people that are eating and they feel self-conscious because they're eating so much more than everyone else. Do you talk to people about that? Cause I feel like I'm in that completely. I had an athlete who literally was like, coach, I will take, I'll eat my lunch and eat something small And then I'll go to office hours and go visit my teachers and ask if I could eat with them because I felt self-conscious about eating more in front of my friends in the cafeteria. And I thought that was like so crazy to me. And then I realized that it was happening to more than just them. It was happening to a lot of my athletes I was working with. Are you? I didn't know that. That makes yeah. that makes me feel better because I thought it was just like a few of my, but it's it's pervasive. Whoa, it's pervasive, and and it's this, you know, every kid wants to fit in. Every kid doesn't want to be different, just because of the stigma of being different when you're in that age range. Mm-hmm. The first thing I explain to my athletes is, listen, you are not even you right now. You are an accumulation of the expectation of your parents and your friends. Yeah, that makes sense. You are a mix of what you think your parents want you to be and what you think your friends want you to be right now. In about 10 years, you will probably really be the true you. So what I need you to do is try to, let's try to speed up that process just a little bit of finding out the true you. And to find out the true you, you have to lose that sense of, I want to be who these other people are. Mm-hmm. One thing that that I do is I try to narrow their their vision and put the blinders on towards whatever goal is their motivation. If their motivation is a college scholarship or if their motivation is a state championship, try to put that up on a pedestal that's not too far out in front of them so they can focus on it and say, hmm, if this is my goal, what are those things I need to do to get towards that goal? Mm -hmm. If that goal is that state championship, then I need to make sure that I'm doing X, Y, and Z to get there. And guess what? Not everyone is going to win a state championship. If you want to do that, you're going to be in a minority, a select few that is saying that I'm a state champion. So the way that you act, the way that you move, the way that you practice, the way that you play has to be different. It can't be the same. So on one hand, you're trying to be the same, be the same, be the same. And on the other hand, you have to learn how to be different, right? If you want to be different in your end goal, you have to be different on the things that you do to get there. So kind of trying to explain that to them, uh, explain it in a way that lets them make the decision afterwards. 
Um, when I was younger, I, I come from a household where my parents were born in West Africa and Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So that was a very strict household. When I was growing up, the, the phrase was, others can and you cannot. And that was it. <laughs> and then I had to live with that. That was that was it. And and I try to come up with a, that sentiment in like a softer, more that, tangible way. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, when you really sit down with the athlete and say, what are the, those goals? What are those lofty goals that you have? And they give you a really good answer. That is your bait. And that is what you use to say, all right, so you want to be one of one. So you got to do one of one thing. So you want to be like going to a Super Bowl, then you got to do things that are very, very tough, that are very, very kind of singled out as crazy. Because if everyone was doing it, then everyone would be playing in the Super Bowl. I say that because one of my athletes is playing in the Super Bowl now. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. I'm so proud of him. But that's kind of one of the things that that young kids have to, to deal with right now. Uh, they're trying to figure out their identity, identities, everything at that age. And it's like, who am I? Am I this person? Am I that person? It's in the process of getting to that goal that you have at that point in time in your life. In that process, you kind of find out who you are. So I love telling my athletes, like, what is it that you're shooting for right now? All right, let's go ahead and shoot for that. And guess what? You might not get that. But the process in which you get there, that's going to build up so much character. It's going to build up so much identity. And But you got to get on the road. And you're not going to be on that road of going to something like that, being on the road where everyone else is. It's going to be sometimes a lonely and narrow road. But that's the that's the kind of like the price you pay. Well, and that's I think that's the piece is when we are looking even at like what kids are eating. One of the things I talk to my athletes about is, yeah, you are going to go to lunch and likely eat more than other people. And it sounds like if you want to be one of one, then you do need to be eating differently than the rest of your classmates. And that's okay. But the what I always tell people is and that's important what you're doing, because you know, I love sports. So I want, I'm like, (laughs) if this is your goal, it's an important goal because it's, you know, it is important. And so then fueling your body is important to reach these important goals. We can't just like go into society in this cult, this toxic culture, eat, eat like these other people and then expect our bodies to do important things. It's just not sustainable. Another thing that I do, Amanda, is just like marketers do, just like mm-hmm. you see on commercials, you'll see uh, in the next four commercials you watch, you'll probably see a face that you easily recognize, some kind of celebrity, some kind of, and why not do the same thing as people who work with young athletes using examples of people that they know? If it's a swimmer that I'm talking to, I'll go straight to my Michael Phelps example. I'll say, let me pull up a video of Michael Phelps and what he eats in a mm-hmm. day. Yeah, and I they'll do, look I at that. it and they'll say, <laughs> they'll look at that and say, "Are you serious? He eats all that, but he looks this way." And he, I'm like, "Yeah, because he needs to eat because he's burning two thousand calories just in his morning swim. He works out in the midday and then he works out later on, you know, like in the evening. So since he's burning this much, he needs to fuel his body this much. So that's something that you should be doing if even before school you've already burned two thousand calories." And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. 
Well, and I feel like parents too, and teenagers really feel some parents, I should say, really feel like not eating that much and only putting healthy things, quote unquote, healthy things that I just learned that we're not supposed to be calling things healthy and not healthy, by the way. That was like two podcasts ago. Do you know what I do? What? I call it whole food and soul food. Nothing oh, healthy it. and unhealthy. Yeah. Oh, whole I love food it. Serves your body and soul food serves your soul. I call those celebration meals. Like I'm celebrating something, right? It's a celebration. (laughs) We're living life. But, But they feel like, but some people think that really like you have to restrict so that your body is lean in order to Mm. perform. And I'm kind of telling folks that's the fight that we're in is actually it's mostly now we're telling people eat more, eat more, eat more. And I, I don't know if that's a shift, but I, that's certainly what I have been doing for the last five to 10 years is more food. Yeah. It's, it's a very tricky thing for me working with both athletes and just general fitness clients. I'm always on the line and I'm treading and I'm always going back and forth, but being consistent with the message. The message for me is teaching people how to live with whole foods and soul foods and finding the balance between the two and the balance between working out hard and pushing your body and resting and recovering. Not living on either side exclusively, but living back and forth on the border of that. Showing people, like for instance, right now we're in the middle like literally in the middle, because today is the 31st of a 60-day challenge that we started on January 1st with mm-hmm. a lot of my fitness clients. And we are sticking to a really like good meal plan. And I don't like to call it a diet. I like to call it more like a meal plan because diet has such like a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. And on the meal plan, we have a lot of good whole food meals. But then at the same time, we have like chocolate-covered almonds for a snack. And we have a protein smoothie with all your favorite fruits for, for a snack. At the same time, what I try to show people is if you go off your meal plan and you have a, a night out where you eat at, at the restaurant, you don't have to be upset and, and kind of kick yourself and say, oh, I destroyed my whole week or, oh, I did this. or I did. It's like, no, you didn't. You did all that hard work sticking to those whole foods throughout the week. So you can go out and feel comfortable having a soul food meal, mm-hmm. living all over, back and forth, like treading between working out really hard, maybe three days in a row, and then having that day where you just don't do anything and you don't feel bad about it. Like, oh, I'm such a, a lazy person. I didn't mm-hmm. do anything today. I didn't work out. I didn't run. It's fine. Cause you know, you are on that line and going back and forth between I can rest and I can work out. I can eat my soul food. I can eat my whole food. That balance right there only comes with like a peace in the mind. If you have an all or nothing mentality, when it comes to your eating, when it comes to your, your exercise, when it comes to working out or even your identity, when you have that all or nothing extreme mentality, it, it, you kind of suffer on both ends. On the one end, you suffer because you're pushing yourself too hard and you're being too strict. And on the other end, you suffer because when you're not, your mind is unsettled and mm-hmm. you feel like really bad about yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and then it pushes you back to the extreme. 
So we don't want to go like to the extremes of the of the like that line that we're on. If you look at it like a road, and if you look at it like that dashed line like down the road, you kind of want to just oh, go like back yeah. and forth. That makes sense. You don't you don't want to go to the side where you know you feel those like bumpy like da 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 da. da. You don't want to go to the sides over there. You just want to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, right over and back on that line. And that's what I explain. And that's like the kind of uh, the picture I illustrate to all of my clients. Like you are not bad if you take three days off. Mm-hmm. That's the balance that you created by going hard when you are going hard. Can I? So I have a hard question. I don't know if you can answer this. So one of the things that I think that's tough for high school athletes and specifically mm-hmm. high school girls is that coaches have a hard time. They have very little opportunity to talk to them about their bodies or their nutrition because of the culture and the society that we live in. And that actually makes sense. Like, listen, when I was growing up, I had many coaches tell me that I needed to lose weight and it didn't feel great. Right. So now coaches who we trust our kids with feel so anxious to talk to kids about their bodies that I worry they're actually not getting the nutrition information that they need because everyone's almost scared to talk about it. Is that a thing? That's a thing. And you're exactly right, Amanda. One thing that it always starts with is education. Education, education. I'm not, let me even get off the coaches. I'm talking about education, period. Whether it's in school, whether it's on social media, there's there's so much information that's out, and a lot a lot of the information can be confusing. And even though there's so much information out and that's at your fingertips, it's not. There's no formal, direct line of information education that's going to our kids in those years of nine, ten, eleven, twelve. That's saying this is what a, a carbohydrate is. This is what a protein is. This is what a fat is. This is what your body needs to grow. This is how your distribution of your macronutrients and your micronutrients, this is where it should be. There's like, like you take maybe a nutrition class sometime in high school, maybe Mm -hmm. sometime in college, maybe, but there's no like real solid nutrition on that. I bet like the last thing we knew about nutrition was the pyramid, the nutrition pyramid. And you don't even see that anymore because they were like, ah, like, Let's kind of get away from this and and that's it. So education is number one. Now let's get back to the coaches. There's not one thing that we would do better with is a bunch of better coaches. Just mm-hmm. better coaches. I mm-hmm. I believe better coaches and better educators in the, in that world will bring you know a huge change. That's number one. Number two, building that trust with your athletes is so big. And that is one thing that I strive for right off the bat. I want to let my athletes know, forget the sport, forget how good you are or whatever. I care about you. I care about you, the athlete. I care about you, the person. You got to build up that trust first and Mm -hmm. foremost. And a lot of coaches don't get that opportunity or don't seek that opportunity first. So those conversations become so much more harder, almost impossible mm-hmm. to have to look at a young woman, especially if you're a man too, mm-hmm. and yep. say anything about their weight or their body. Yep. Yep. If that athlete doesn't know that you have their best interests 
athlete and person, they will not take any of that well coming from you. And they will not openly talk about any of that stuff with you, especially if that is something that has some kind of trigger attached to it, mm-hmm. especially if that's a sensitive subject for them. It could be something as little as their boyfriend broke up with them and commented on how they look, right? And then and then you're a coach and you mean the best and you say something small and that can completely, you know, so mm-hmm. you got to have that trust first and foremost. And then you got to have that EQ that emotional intelligence to to be able to know your athlete, know how they respond. Just like in regular coaching, some athletes respond better to like a lot of energy and you being loud and you being direct. Mm-hmm. Some athletes don't respond well to that. So to get them to do whatever, you have to be a little more subtle, pull them to the side. You can't get loud and emotional. You got to be real subtle and quiet. And that's how they respond better. Maybe that's the same way you approach any kind of talk about nutrition or, or because in reality, let's be honest, in reality, in sports, there are going to be some times where you as an athlete, you're being told, hey, you need to lose weight Mm -hmm. or hey, you need to gain weight. Those conversations have to come from a real, a real educated from the coach's point of a real educated place. Because if I'm a coach and I'm looking at, let's say, my softball pitcher, and I dealt with this with one of my athletes who I sent to college on the West Coast, and she came to me confiding in me and saying, coach, my coaches uh, here want me to gain about 10, 15 pounds. And I said, why do they want me to gain weight? She said, well, they said that I will pitch a little bit harder. They want to add more speed on my pitch and put more weight behind my pitches. And I said, you don't need more weight for that. You just need to be, you need to be more explosive. You need to get stronger. Mm-hmm. Let's work on getting stronger. So that, that didn't sit well with her because she's like, do I need to gain weight or do mm-hmm. I just need to pitch faster? Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. it has to come from an educated place. If you're talking to an athlete who doesn't need to lose weight and you're telling them you need to lose weight, you're not helping it out. You're just becoming a part of the problem. So it's it's a weird it's it's a very weird situation where one we need the education right away. If you see eating disorders as young as twelve years old, guess what? That education needs to come at ten years old, mm-hmm. way before these things start happening. You need to have better coaches who are educated in these things. You have to have parents who are talking to their kids' coaches, especially if they're working with their 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 children, their athletes, the young athletes on a one-on-one basis. What's your philosophy on nutrition? Mm-hmm. How do you go about doing that with your athletes? Mm-hmm. You know, some of my athletes, my specific athletes that I work with, they track their meals. They track it with their Fitbit. They track it with their Apple Watch for in my app. And I get to see, you know, what they're tracking. I get to see what they're eating. I get to see that they're getting their 2.5 liters of water a day. I get to see that they're hitting their protein intake per day. They get to see what's going on. And I educate them on it. Like this number right here, this is how much protein you should be taking. They're like, I've only been hitting 60% of that. And then I go, well, how do you think we're going to perform at hundred percent if you're only getting 60% mm-hmm. of your protein? How are we going to build that muscle? And then they go, oh, okay. So now when they sit down, they're not sitting down and looking at their friend. They're sitting down thinking, I need to hit 100% on my protein goal. <laughs> so 
that is a, a big game changer, that educational piece, focusing them in on their goals and figuring out with them, all right, how am I going to get them to realize these important factors about the nutrition that literally apply to them and their situation as an athlete? And if Coach Mike says this or if Coach Weber says this and I trust them, it must be the right way to go. So I currently work with more swimmers, right? So one mm -hmm. of the things that I've commonly found people who work out in the morning are not doing well enough is eating a ton after their morning swim, right? I say uh, like a little meal or whatever it is to just get you out of the door, right? And yeah. so you can go yeah. to swim practice because it's hard that early, mm -hmm. but then that breakfast is big. And I feel like that's yeah. what a lot of the athletes have missed is that big breakfast after you swim. Cause then they go to mm -hmm. school starving. Then they don't yeah. eat at lunch because they're around people. But how do you set it up for folks who are afternoon athletes? Like what is that? What's a more consistent meal plan for that? So kind it's, of? it's funny you said that. And I definitely want to put this out on the airways because yeah. it's very, very important. What you just said right there I guarantee you about when it comes to swimmers, no doubt, because that, that swim time that you're going to get is going to be early morning. You're swimming at like mm -hmm. 5 a.m., 5.30. You have to, as an athlete, it has to be priority to say, all right, I know that 20 minutes after my workout, 20 to 40 winner, 20 to 40 minutes after my workout is when my body is most prime to accepting protein. That's when I want to get my protein and carbs in 20 to 40 minutes after my workout. That's like the prime time for eating after your workout. So give me a good meal for that. I'm like, this is for me, Mike. This isn't for the listeners. <laughs> you have to go into that with a plan. I know it's tough in the mornings. It's hectic. You're busy. You're trying to shower. You're trying to like get something to eat real quick before you go out. You need to the day before. No, I'm getting up early for this, this swim or this workout. I need to have something planned. I need to have my meal planned and prepped in the fridge so I could just pop it in, turn on the microwave, eat it, and go. If that is having the bread ready and you're going to make like three eggs real quick and put it in, like in, in the bread with the cheese and get out the door, do that. If it is a protein bowl that you're making, that you have some avocado, you already have some eggs, a hard boiled eggs boiled up, you go smash that, you got the avocado in, you throw some potatoes and go, right? That if sounds it's like, great. All right, if it's sausage patties that you're like, all right, I could put this in the microwave really quickly. Throw an egg in there, sausage patty, throw some potatoes in there and go. Take it on the road with you if you have to, but it has to be planned out. Just like you have a plan for how I'm going to wake up that morning, you set your alarm, you maybe set two alarms to three, you should have that same kind of mindset, uh, I'm going to have this meal ready, so I'm not, I'm not foregoing all the gains that I could have gained from that workout. If you look at it and you say, every day I work out and I'm going to give 100% effort in that workout, I'm hoping to get an 100% return on that workout. That means you have to eat and eat well after that workout. Because if you don't, you're only going to get maybe a 70% return. So if you think about all those 30% returns that you missed out on, if you worked out three mm -hmm. times that week, 
that's 90% of a return you didn't get that week. That's big. And then you do 90 times four, so that's 360 percentage yep. as you missed in a month. Yep. And that is the second that off of your, your time that you didn't, that you didn't get in that meet that you were going to or in that, in that tournament. So letting the kids see it, I think is so important. That when, makes sense, uh, had, what you just said. Like, I think specifically, I have, yeah, go. Yeah, when I have the athletes track, and I don't do that for like a long-term situation, but when I say, hey, I want you to track and I want you to see it, when they could see it, it kind of hits them differently. It, like, that's with anybody. A lot of people are visual learners. A lot of people like to, to see numbers and see graphs. And when you show them that this is what you you're eating now and you want to gain muscle, but you're not going to gain muscle until you hit this. They go, I got to get double my protein that I'm getting right now. And I'm like, yeah. Then the next question is if they're like a competitive athlete, which most of them are coach, how am I going to do that? Say, this is how you need to pack two extra sandwiches, two extra sandwiches. Yeah. You need to pack two extra peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and you need to eat it throughout the day at this time and this time. When you get home, you're going to eat a protein shake with your dinner. After that, you're up, you're studying, doing whatever before bed. Maybe you have another protein or maybe you have a snack. Maybe you take some Greek yogurt, throw some peanut butter in there, whip it up, throw like your favorite fruit, granola in there. And that's like your little snack before bedtime, before you go to bed. And they're like, oh, okay. And then once they start hitting those numbers, they start feeling better. All of a sudden they have more energy. All of a sudden they're building muscle. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden they're performing better. And then that cycle continues because they're like, oh, I'm performing better. I'm performing better because I'm eating better. Oh, I'm going to eat better so I can perform even better than that. And, and then that cycle continues and they're on a positive cycle rather than the vicious cycle of well, cutting. And I also think that that also impacts their emotionality even out of their oh, yeah. sport, right? Because yeah. when we are not fueling our bodies enough, automatically we are more anxious. We're anxious because mm -hmm. our body thinks that we need to go out there and gather some berries or gather you know, get whatever it is that we need to get. So our body, our body is anxious. So when we sit down to do our spelling work or our math work or whatever, we're already anxious because we haven't fed ourselves enough. And then we're blowing up about math. And really yeah. the reality is, is if we fueled ourselves the way that athletes should fuel themselves, anxiety across the board will go down because yeah. you're living in a state of constant anxiety because you don't have enough food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, when you eat that way, you will find that you are just happier. Mm -hmm. You Absolutely. will find that you are thinking more on the positive side of things than the negative side of things. When you eat that way, you will find more ways to, I would say different ways and more ways to eat more whole foods. You will never lose that longing to have like a hamburger or but when you are eating like that and you're eating well and you see such like and you feel good things and you see good things you will say all right how do i expand this and how do i eat more fruit and which maybe i try new fruit or maybe oh you know i never even knew i liked greek yogurt and now like i love it because i'm eating it this way and, and i'm dressing up the ways i like when i do meal plans I always talk about mindset first because mindset is so important. 
And I never like to make people feel like they're being restricted. Because as soon as we feel like we're being restricted, mm -hmm. it's such a negative connotation. We, like you feel like you have something being taken away from you. But instead, I'm like, we're expanding. We're expanding your palate. We're expanding all your options. We're going to try foods that we've never tried before. Have you ever had a leek? They're like, what's a leek? We're going to try leeks. Have you ever had peas? Oh, I hate peas. Well, not this way. We're going to eat peas this way. And they're like, oh, you know what? I don't mind it that way. And it's like, we're going to eat raspberries. When's the last time you ate raspberries? They're like, coach, I don't eat raspberries. Like, when's the last time you tried it? Oh, uh, let's put it in a smoothie. Put in this kind of, oh, you know what? I like that. So like doing things like that and, and letting athletes know that you right now are just in the, especially the young athletes. I was like, you right now are in the one period of your life that you can almost eat anything. As an athlete, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. your, your body's naturally burning so many calories just because you're growing. You're in this growing state where your body's burning and then you're, you're working out, you're, you're practicing, you're up and at it because you're young and your social life, you're, you're walking all over the place, going on. You can, I just need you to eat, eat, eat and, and let your body be fueled. Uh, the other stuff will come. And if we train the right way, you don't have to worry about, oh, growing your muscles. If you train and eat the right way and recover the right way, this is, this is just naturally going to be the way that you feel better. And when you feel better, you'll perform better. And then that cycle will continue. Mike, I have an idea. I wonder, like, would you be into consulting with like, if groups of parents got their kids together, right? If, if mm -hmm. people listen to this and they're like, I want, you know, my kid and like six of her friends to come and just do a one hour seminar. Did you do that? Yeah, of course I would. I mean, I'm guys, I've had just whoever's listening. I've had Michael's meal plans. And by the way, they're more food than I have ever put in my mouth at all. <laughs> I was like, how am I going to eat this much? I don't have time, but I made it work and it feels different. Like you do feel healthier and you don't, you're, I wasn't anxious about what I was eating because I knew it was coming from an expert. Like I knew it was coming from yeah. someone who knew exactly what I was doing. Like when I was swimming, when I was working out and then just like gave me a meal plan to support my own personal goals and my own personal lifestyle. It, it yeah. was exceptionally beneficial. That's the major key. But again, it goes back to the trusting thing. Mm -hmm. When you sit down with someone and they didn't even talk to you about you personally, but they go, here's a meal plan. That's like low trust right there, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But when you talk to someone, you're like, this is my schedule. These are my dietary restrictions. I, these are my allergies. I have this allergy, I have that allergy. These are just things that I just don't like either. But, you know, I'm willing to be a little flexible, but like these things, like I know in the past that I've tried. And if you sit down with someone and you're like that and then you go over those things and they make something specifically for you and they talk to you about it and they give you the education on it mm -hmm. and they give you the accountability on mm -hmm. it, too, because that's huge. That's my then you know, you know, like, all right, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to see how it works. And then once you're in it, you kind of like, oh, this is this is not bad. And then once you see good results, then that is like the, the, the final blow. You're like, okay, okay. I get what's going on here. This is, I feel good. I'm glad that I'm not just eating grass 
you know, mm-hmm. who wants to just eat grass every mm-hmm. day, all day. And, and I'm getting the results I want. Going back to the whole body image and the way this ties into it, I've never had someone reprogram their mindset to a more performance-based mindset than an aesthetic mindset. I'm going to say that one more time. I've never had, like, because what that's what I try to do, especially me being in the fitness industry and having general fitness clients, I have to play the game of screaming out weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, just so I can be relevant in the space because mm-hmm. that's all they're hearing. And that's how people think. So I have to kind of say that to kind of bait people, but then I bait and I switch them. So I bait them with the, like the weight loss, weight loss, weight loss. And then once I get them, I go, all right, this is the switch. We're going to have these performance goals. Right now you run a 40 minute 3K. We're going to get that down to 30 minutes. Right now you can barely do two pushups in a row. We're going to get that up to 10. Mm-hmm. Right now you can't do any pull-ups. We're going to try to get one pull-up in the next three months. When you switch their mindset to a performance-based mindset rather than an aesthetic yes. mindset, yes. and you give them these solid goals and you give them the mail, meal plan and the accountability on top of that, I've never had anyone at the end of a program like that not, one, have a better mentality and mindset about training, exercise, nutrition, and two, I haven't had anyone not get a lot of those aesthetics that they were searching for in the first place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a win-win on Mm -hmm. both sides. You do get those aesthetic things that you were looking for in the first place, but your mindset is not based around your, well, I should say your happiness or your, your um, perception of success is not based on the scale. Right. Yeah. It's based on what you can do. Right. So you're not thinking about losing weight. You're thinking about, I need to get this 30 minute 3k. Mm -hmm. You're not thinking about losing weight. You're thinking I need to get 10 pushups in a row. I need to get, what are those things that coach Mike said? I need to, I need to, you know, start, you know, down in a modified position on my knees, repping them out. I need to do my slow eccentric. All right. Now I need to upgrade to put my hand on my coffee table and doing them that way in like an upright position and really take my time with this. And, And now, and now you are focused on, your protein, because the coach Mike said, I need to be getting my protein to gain muscle. Now you're focused on running and, and, and you're focused on practicing and you're focused on those things that you know are going to help you get those mm-hmm. goals. So, you know, that's, that's kind of, it's not a secret weapon, but that's my secret weapon that I say. I, I use that with both my fitness and my athletes, especially my athletes, because they're competitive. Mm-hmm. If you tell an athlete, hey, I need you to get this, they'll go for that. If you tell your athlete, all right, right now you run a four seven forty, we may get to a four six. I think if you get to that four six, that's what colleges are looking for. People who run a four six in your position, their mindset is going to be around four six, not about around what Sally from TikTok looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. <laughs> that is my yep. secret weapon right there. So, Mike, how can folks find you? Because I know your Insta is great. So tell everyone about Uh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So (laughs) that is at coach underscore Mike underscore Atunrashe. That's A-T-U-N-R-A-S-E. 
coach underscore Mike underscore Atunrashe. They can also just find a resiliences page and they can always find that through that. So that is at resilience training underscore. They can follow either the fitness side that's general fitness or the sports side that's sports performance. A lot of my like younger, like team athletes, they, they follow that page. So again, it was great talking to you about this. This is something that I feel like, even though, you know, it's come up, I would say twice in the past two weeks on your podcast, it's something that's super important. Uh, it's, we can't get away from social media. It's here to stay. Mm-hmm. We can't get away from, you know, the whole, I got to do this dance with my midriff out. So I got to have a six pack mm-hmm. type of thing. That's always going to be around. But what we can do is educate, educate. We can coach, we can support, we can help. One of the, the sad stats that I read are is only 10% of people who suffer from ED, eating disorders, seek out professional help. Only 10%. Mm-hmm. That's super low. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Imagine all those athletes who are missing out on potential, yes. missing out on happiness, yes. missing out on a lot of good, positive things because they're suffering in that in that state Uh, a lot of people they won't let you know that they're they're suffering a lot of people hide it a lot of people think that it's unique only to them Mm -hmm. so i think education on the nutrition aspect and then education on the mental health aspect of it is is important especially for our our young people Mike, this was so helpful. Thank you so much. Go out and follow Mike and you can like and follow us at the Virginia Family Therapy page on Instagram and go to our website if you want to learn more at Virginia Family Therapy. Thanks so much, y'all. Bye, Mike. Bye.